0: Welcome to the Anchor Church Podcast. To learn more about Anchor Church, go to www.anchorchurch.life. Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. But what does that mean? This series will challenge you to hold nothing back and go all in. We're going all in on this one, all right? Not holding back, nothing. We're gonna have a good time. Uh, I'm familiar, I don't know if you're familiar, but I'm familiar with the phrase all in from poker. It is a, a, a phrase used in poker often. He's going all in, she's going all in. And uh, and so um, I wanted to take that concept, that thought, at least for today, to really kind of set the foundation, set the tempo for, uh, for re- really the rest of the month and to be able to talk about what it means to be all in and I don't want to all in drop that mic. Not yet anyway, you know what I'm saying? So um, but we're gonna have a, we're gonna have a few weeks here where we talk about what it means to, to take our faith, to take our our, our our trust and our faith in Christ and to really just be able to apply it to our lives to the point where we could go all in to really say that we are participating, we are active, we are uh, really engaged in our faith, in our walk in Christ, to be able to say that we are all in with whatever Jesus wants to lead. Uh, Really one of my prayers from the very beginning of, of me just being in ministry, uh, I had a mentor tell me, he was actually here, Sean Kuntz, over the summer, if you were here to hear Sean, he's he my mentor, and he challenged me with this with me probably about 10 years ago, nine years ago, and he said, uh, if you make your prayer, God, use my life to make you famous, uh, then, you know, he's going to answer that prayer, and you could say uh the, the, the idea um, behind it would be um, simply that, uh, that I, I'm open for anything, show me one thing. I'm open for anything, show me one thing. And, uh, and I've, I've really kind of got into different stages in my life where I felt like, you know what, I want to make Jesus famous, I want his name to be glorified, I'm open for anything, so God, show me one thing. Show me that one place where I'm supposed to go, but to be able to, to really truly mean that, to really be able to say like, Lord, I really am open for anything, that is where we get the idea of being all in, because it is not, just, you could say it, but to really actually Mean it to really say that I am, I am really open to whatever it is that you want me to, to do and uh, and for a while there was a time where I thought that that, that Danil and I would, would live in Africa just because I thought that that was what God wanted us to do and he um, began to show us different things, but it was it was out of that heart and out of that prayer to, to God we're open for anything, show us one thing that we began to discover a couple different things. So from that, the idea of all in, when you, when not I, but when you are playing poker, um, when you're playing poker, you get to a place where you would say, all right, I'm, I'm all in. right Like my cards uh, my cards here, I'm looking at them. I'm, I'm pushing my chips in, you know, in, 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 a, in, a, in the phrase, like I'm surrendering everything and, and I'm all in. Now, when we push our chips in to say that we're all in, we do it out of two different things. The first one is this. The first one is out of confidence. If, if we've got a good hand and you think that you can beat everybody else and maybe you're playing and counting the numbers and the cards and the table. You can read things or what's going on and you can actually maybe read the sweat dripping off of somebody or their, their pulse really starting to get active. Uh, you, can, you can confidently go all in and think, you know what, I've got the best hand at the table. There's another one though. We go all in when we're also desperate. When we, when we know that, that the chips are stacked against us and, and I don't have really much of a chance to survive the next couple hands with the chips that I have remaining. This is my best shot. And out of desperation, I'm putting all my chips in and I'm surrendering my chips and I'm going all in. So we really see that when we go all in, we're doing it out of confidence or we're doing it out of desperation. And so I think that both involve a certain amount of risk because you're putting all your chips in, you're surrendering and you're going all in because we believe when you're going in that the, that the risk, uh, the reward outweighs the risk. When you're putting your chips in, especially when you're desperate, uh, or, or especially when you're confident in both cases, it's really because you believe that the, that the, that the reward outweighs the risk. If you're going to give and surrender everything, you think, you know what, my, the chances are good in my favor to be able to potentially do this. And so I think that faith plays a similar role in both in, in our lives in a, in, a, in, a, in the same sense. Faith plays a similar role when we step out in faith. When we think, you know, what I'm ready to take this next step. I'm ready, to be, I'm ready to be baptized or I'm taking this next step in my journey. I, I, will, I believe that God is leading me through this door. I believe that he's leading me in this way. You know what? I could surrender to, to, to do this with my finances or I could surrender to do this with my profession or, or even in my relationships. When we take that big step knowing that that's potentially how God is leading us, we do it so we do it out of confidence sometimes we do it out of confidence because we've seen where God has been in the past we've seen what he's done in our lives he's seen when i've taken that big step before and he's he's showing me the way that, that i should be going so sometimes we we just we have a lot of history to be able to tell us that we've got some confidence so that's how we gain confidence sometimes it's just previous experiences but then sometimes we step out in faith out of desperation we step out in faith and desperation by, by the fact that maybe we've got somebody in our, in our life or maybe even ourselves, or we're sick. We don't know where else to go. We just wanna surrender completely to God to say, you know what, I, I have no other way, way or, or place to go, God, but, but I, I'm turning to you out of desperation. So we really see that in two different forms. We see it out of confidence and we see it out of desperation. In Hebrews chapter 11, it said, in verse one, it says this, that faith is the confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Faith is confidence in what we hope for, and assurance about what we do not see. And hope can be defined as confident expectation. Confident expectation. So when we hope for something, we confidently expect for something. It's not just a luck of the draw type of I hope. It's When you hope for something, you're not really wishing for something. You hope to have a great day. You you confidently expect that you have a great day. We have this hope, which is an anchor for the soul. We have this hope, which is Jesus. And because of our relationship with Christ, we know that we can make a difference. We know that we have this sure stronghold that's going to keep us grounded in our faith. We have something we can confidently expect even more. So when we look back at the verse, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Faith is confidence in what we hope for, okay? Faith is confidence in what we ex- confidently expect and it's assurance about what we do not see. So we see that hope is and faith is filled with confidence, but it's also assurance about what we do not see, which I would say potentially is talking a little bit about desperation too because when we are desperate, we are desperately seeking for something or a change in our life or desperately seeking for a sign or some sort from, from the Lord, which I don't really believe in that completely, but but when we're looking for something to really get us engaged in our faith, when we're looking for this assurance that really could be found out of desperation, and so confidence. We see this. We see that I've I've I, I I've I, I've seen what I've need to see, and I believe what I need to believe because of what I've experienced. So, out of confidence, I've seen some things, and I believe it because I've seen God do some great work in my life. I've seen it, and in desperation, it's like I need help. But you know what? What have I got to lose? Maybe the last place that we turn to is, is is God. Sometimes, out of desperation. So when our confidence is high and when our desperation is high, it causes us to put all our chips in and it causes us to surrender. And I'm telling you right now, whether you need to do it out of desperation or whether you need to do it out of confidence, I want to give you the confidence and I want to push you to put your chips in. If we can, as a church, surrender to be able to say, you know what, I'm all in and whatever God wants for me in my life, I'm all in. That's what I would love for for you to be able to do today to be able to say you know what god i 'm surrendering everything I want you to use my life to make you famous which is can be which can be a dangerous prayer and it 's a risky prayer but i 'm telling you right now it is great once you start to experience all that God can do for you when you surrender fully, when you actually push all the chips to go all in. Or maybe it's just even out of desperation today where you'd say, you know what, I'm gonna surrender every aspect of my life, Lord, because I don't even know what I'm doing. I'm so crazy. There's all kinds of things going on in my life. I have no control over any of it. Here it is to you. And I believe that we can do that and we can get to that point where we just say, God, use me. I don't know what you want from me in my life, but just, just, just use me. I want to. I want to live out my purpose. I want whatever it is, that, God, that you want for me. Just use me. Sometimes it's help me, God. Help me. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do as a father, as a mother, as a parent, as a as a friend. I don't know, God. Help me. I don't know what to do in this circumstance. I'm surrendering it to you, God. Heal me. I've got this thing going on and I don't know what it is. It could be a condition where, where it, it it needs doctor care or the doctors don't even know. Or sometimes we have a, a condition that only God can heal, and it's a it's a heart, it's a broken heart, or it's a hard heart. But God, heal me. God lead me. Lead me and help me be able to lead my family. Show me what I can do and help me help me lead. Lord, fix me. I'm broken. My past is, is has 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 messed me up, but I I don't know what to do now, Lord. So fix me, I'm pushing it all in right now, Lord, fix me. Protect me, Lord, protect my children, protect my family. Pick me up, Lord. I've been down for a long time, Lord, pick me up, I'm surrendering, I'm pushing all my chips in right now, I'm going all in to whatever it is that you need to do. Show me the way. And if we can get to that point where we just, we're surrendering and we can confidently say these things and expect great things from him, Even out of desperation, that's really what faith is. In fact, the the essence of faith is to believe before what will only make sense after. To believe what will only make sense after is, is really the essence of faith. So, in desperation, God will often use desperation to push you into your purpose. I think sometimes when we are desperate, the Lord kind of just pushes us into a place like, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna surround you with people that are gonna love and care for you and, and you're gonna be able to find your purpose because of what you are going through and just out of desperation, this is what you need. I believe that desperation is the door that breakthrough often walks through. Desperation is the door that breakthrough walks through. That sometimes when we're desperate and we have no place to go, no place to turn, we just turn right to God and out of our own desperation, that's where he begins to do some amazing things in our life because we're at a place where we say, you know what, I'm all in, I surrender. They say that, that, that faith is a foundation. And, um, and sometimes I, I, I look at others and wonder why uh, when we go through different things and we go through different um, experiences and in life, I think it's just the, the, the um, I'm talking about looking at other people it's really just the keeping up with the Joneses. Like, you, th- you think that the other person has it better than you. You know what I mean? Um, you, you, you look at other families and you think, man, their kids their kids aren't wilding out right now. What, what are they doing? How come I don't have kids like that? Sometimes I wonder. And some of you probably like know my kids and either you're saying, yeah, yeah you're right, or you're saying, no, your kids are fine. Your kids are fine. Not compared to my kids. But we do that compare game a lot and we're guilty of it in so many different ways and in our finances and in our professions and in a lot of different ways we do that compare game and we look at what others have and we wonder. And when sometimes we ask ourselves why we don't have that. Why haven't I experienced what they've experienced? Man, look at them, especially in the, in the, in the world of social media when we get to see the highlights of, of everybody's life because it's on full display for us to look and, and just and wish and wonder, what if I had that? And, and, and sometimes we wonder, why haven't I got the breakthrough? Like, I've, I see that person, and man, they're, they're at church every Sunday. They, they, must, they must be loving Jesus. And, and, and you probably would say, hey, I'm, I'm at church every Sunday because <laughs> I need me some Jesus. But like, we, we do that, though. We look at people, and we, we say, man, I, I wish I could just get my breakthrough like that. And we, we, we look at what other people have and, and we look at what other people have potentially built in their life, right? And we say, man, I, I want that. I want what they have. And we don't necessarily know all that went into what it was to actually build it up. There's a whole lot of faith. There's a whole lot of prayer. There's a whole lot of this. There's a whole lot of that. And people will say, faith is my foundation and I'm confident. Or people will say, hey, faith is my foundation and I'm desperate, and people will say, you know, I've had people come and tell me like, listen, I'm ready for God to do the supernatural in my life. And I would say, listen, you do the super, let, uh, or let God do the super and you do the natural. There's some work that's involved in times with our faith. We've got to apply our faith with our works. In other words, you have faith and, and it's basically now you just have to apply it. And if you're at a place in your life where you're like, you know what, I don't know if I have faith I'm just trying to figure things out. I wanna help you, I wanna lead you through that. I want you to be able to understand what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. See, while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's really the foundation of of our faith is that we are not perfect, and we say it at Anchor Church a lot that we're not perfect people. And we don't relish and we don't dance around the fact that we're not perfect. But it's the idea that when you walk in here, you should should find company, company because everybody in here is not perfect. And I think that sometimes, again, we look at everybody's highlights and we think, oh man, they've got it all figured out. But listen, we're not perfect. But because we are not perfect, or while we are not yet sinners, Christ died for us. So he died for our sins. And he was buried, and he came back to life three days later. And he put death to bed. He put all of our sins to bed in the tomb with him. But when he walked out, he came out in a place where it was, where our our sins had been forgiven. So we live in in grace by the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. And so when we place our faith and our trust in Jesus, our sins are forgiven and we get to experience eternity in heaven with him. It's a very simple concept It's why they call it the good news. It's good news because while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And when he bore the punishment of sins, of our sins on the cross for us, and he came back to life for us, it was for us. He wants to have a relationship with us. And so in Romans chapter 10, verse nine, it says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, that's a verbal confession to say, Jesus, you are Lord. I know that you died on the cross for my sins and we actually believe that he did that for us in our heart, as Romans 10's nine would say, then we would be saved. And so often we end the service in a prayer where I say, hey, if you haven't accepted Christ as your savior, sim- simple as this, and we pray a prayer. And it's simply just confessing with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, and it's believing in our heart that you would be saved, and you would be saved. And I believe for every single one of us here today that if we confess that with our mouth, and we actually believe it in our heart, then we will be saved, and that's a one-time deal. It's not something that you have to go through over and over again because again, faith without works is dead, but it's not faith by works. So no matter what you do, no matter what you accomplish in your life is not ever going to top what Jesus did on the cross for you. So you can't lose what God has already given you, and he's given you salvation. You can't work yourself out of salvation just like you can't work yourself into it. And so when we get baptized, it's a reflection of the decision that we've made in Christ. That's, our, that's one, for a lot of people, it's the first big step in our faith. We say, you know what, I'm ready to, to take this step and it's really just a, 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 an outflow of the decision that we've made. And so I talk about it like this and next week when we talk about baptism, we'll say it the same way, but I wear a, a wedding ring and it lets everybody know that I'm married. I wear it most of the time. Is she in here? i was <laughs> kidding. I didn't wear it yesterday when I was running in the savage race. So that was, oh, I promised not to talk about it. But anyway, all right. So, but anyway, um, I wear this wedding ring to let everybody know that I'm married. But whether it's off or on, it doesn't change the fact whether I'm married or not. So baptism doesn't, doesn't change the, the, the fact that you are, are, are saved or not. It simply lets everybody know it's a profession of faith and so that when when Davis is up here and some of the other people that are going to be up here next week are going to be baptized it's purely letting everybody know here that he's made a decision for Jesus it's an outward expression of something of an inward decision that he's made himself and so in in the death of in the going into the water and coming back out it's the death and the burial and then the resurrection that's very symbolic and so that's, that's, that's why we celebrate it because for a lot of people, it's that first big step to you know just publicly profess the fact that they are with Jesus, that Jesus is their Savior. And so in faith, there's a lot of great things that can happen. But I think that we do that compare game. We think, man, I wish I was at that point. I wish I could do that. I wish this was where I was. I wish in my family we could make this happen. I wish this could happen. And we start to really just wish that, that whatever it is that we think that we want that maybe somebody has gone through a lot to get to, was ours. With we try to take the shortcuts and and, and do that thing. I actually spoke at a, a at a college, um, a couple weeks ago. It was a it was a Bible college up in Jacksonville. And, uh, and I told everybody a little bit about my story as a church planner and going through the things that we've gone through over the last year. And, uh, and I said to everybody in the, in the crowd there, I said, if you're interested, because this is college kids, these are, these are Bible college kids. A lot of them are, are wanting to be pastors or whatever. I said, so if you're interested in planning churches, come talk to me afterward. I'd love to be able to share what I know. It's not much because I'm only a year in, but I can share with you a little bit about my journey. And so I had a couple guys come up to me and I exchanged my phone number with them. And, and, uh, and this one guy called me like a couple days later and I think he's 22, and um, and he said, "Hey, you know, I, I'm I'm ready to I'm ready to 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 start this. I'm ready to go. I've got I believe that God has got this. You know, he he wants me to do this. And and so um, I see what you're doing. I, I love it. I want to be able to do something. I you know I have got my own little spin of how I want to do it. But you know, what what do you have advice wise to be able to help me? And so he's 22. And and if and if and this is why I said, if God really wants you. To, to start this church, then, then, then that's great. But your timing and his timing is always a little bit different. And so it came to me, or I believe that God uh, inspired me to plan a church when I was young too, but it took, it took nine years before that happened. I said, listen, I, I've been in ministry for 10 years, and I, I would believe that I am no, no expert in ministry as a pastor, as a student pastor, which is what I was for eight and a half years. So I've been, I've been, I've been in this thing for 10 years, And so your journey might not be like mine, but the best thing I can tell you is is that I learned a lot in that 10 years of ministry that prepared me for where I am right now as a church planner. And so it's important for you to understand that there's gonna be some time potentially. If he's called you to it, he's gonna equip you to do it, and that equipping process is gonna be maybe longer than you you think. So I I don't wanna discourage you, but I wanna let you know that God's timing and your timing are a little bit different. That's the best advice I could give you right now. And so I think that sometimes we do that when we compare. We think, man, I wish I had that. But that's really the foundation. We start to look at a house. We start to look at a building and we think, man, I wish I had that. I got the foundation down. I understand what, what faith and I understand Jesus and everything. But I wish I, I, wish I, could, I, wish I could have that, that whole process. We see the after and that's what we want in many cases in our life. And so I, I've, I, I don't know if I've shared this with you before, but when I was in high school, I was, a, I was a plumber. I was a plumber's assistant. I was not a plumber. I was a plumber's assistant. Very, very different. Um, very dirty, um, just not a fun summer job. But, and my dad threw me into it. He was a contractor and his buddy was the, was the plumber. And so he's like, hey, I'll give you my son for the summer. <laughs> and, and, um, and I'm sure he was like, great, thanks. Um, but his name was uh, Richard Yoreshek. So you, you can already understand that it was probably hard for me to understand him, let alone not knowing what any type of wrench he ever wanted was. And so there would be, you know, first, you know, first couple of days, first couple of weeks, months <laughs> uh, of being on the job with him, he, he, and here's the thing about Richard, he would, he would sweat. Um, he had like four shirts that he'd put in the truck, and at first I was like, why does he have four shirts? And by the day, end of the day, the first, you know, first day, I was like, oh, that's why, because he would just literally just go through them constantly. That man went down some, some bananas too. Like, I mean, he would take a whole thing of bananas every day to work. Anyway, um, and I remember he would just be down on his knees, sweating, you know, dripping. And he'd say, hey, go get me the, you know, whatever. I can't even tell you what they are now. And um, crescent wrench, although I know what a crescent wrench is. Um, go get that. And I'd be like, sure. Hey, what's it look like? And he'd tell me and I'd run in the truck and I'd be gone for like 10 minutes, you know, and I'd come back and not have the right one. And then he'd go, Ugh. and then like he, and I always, I hated disappointing him. <laughs> but sometimes it was just, I didn't understand him. But like, in any way, I felt bad because he had to get up off his knee. He was, he was older. And, uh, and then he had to go do it. Eventually I learned my way. But I'll never forget one time he said, uh, this was actually the summer after I worked with him, but he, he said, hey, I need some help. Do you have a buddy or two that would help you um, dig? I, I need some digging done. Uh, we're laying a foundation for this building. Out in Muse, I don't don't know. Nobody knows where Muse, Florida, is. It's because it almost doesn't exist. But we were—they were building like a civic center, a community center out there—and he said, "I need some help digging some ditches for for this building. We're gonna we're gonna lay some some plumbing. We're gonna do the rough plumbing." And so I went out there. This is the middle of summer. Not fun digging these trenches for this man to lay the pipe. And he was, he was, um, he was doing the, um, the measuring and, and doing the calculating because it's gotta be on an angle and stuff, so the water flows. And so he'd say, all right, dig. All right, dig like three inches deeper. And so you're like trying to, no, that was too much. I'm like, oh, sorry. And, and so it was not fun digging, the rough, the rough digging for, for this thing. But you know what? I think sometimes when we look at a building like this or we look at any building, we think, okay, I mean, I wish I had that. I could see this. I could see everything that it has. This is great. But we don't know all that went into it. Even underneath the concrete that we're sitting on right now, there's electrical and there's plumbing. There's all kinds of things that go into it. And there's backbreaking labor that goes into actually digging these trenches. And it's often what we don't even see. And so it's putting our faith into action that is so important for us when we go all in. And I have a story here that I want, some of you are like, there's no Bible today. Here it is right here. It's one of my favorite stories that is found in, in, in 2 Kings chapter three. And, and it's the story about, um, well, I want to, not alerts, but here we go. Second Kings chapter four, uh, verse, no, I'm sorry, 2 Kings chapter three, verse four through 20. And it says this. King Mesha of Moab was a sheep breeder and he used to pay the king of Israel 10,000 lambs. Okay, 10,000 lambs and the wool of 10,000, I'm sorry, 100,000. So 100,000 lambs and 100,000 rams. And then Ahab died. And the king of Moab rebelled against the king of Israel. And so King Joab, Joram, Joram marched out of Samaria to the, at the time of the, and mobilized all of Israel. And he sent a message to King Jehoshaphat of Judea. And the king Moab has rebelled against me. Will you go with me to help fight against Moab? And so these kings are coming together. I thought it was nice that we had a little king up here. So you can kind of picture that a little bit. But these kings are coming together. There's one that's rebelling against each other. So these kings are kind of assembling their their armies together. And Jehoshaphat said, I will go. I'm as you are, my people as your people, my horses are as your horses. And he asked, which route should we take? And Joram replied, the route of the wilderness of Edom. And so the king of Israel, the king of Judah and the king of Edom set out. And after they traveled their induct route for seven days, there was no water for the army or for their animals. So they're in this place, they're in this dry, desolate place. It's a valley, they're marching through this valley and there is no rain. There is no water, there are no pools, there are no uh, ponds, there is nothing for them and they've been marching for seven days and if you know what the, what the human body can survive, that's not, we're looking at not good situation right now. And so they're marching through this place and they're at a place where they're gonna be at a place of desperation. Let's see, Verse 10. And then the king of Israel said, oh no, the Lord has summoned three kings only to hand them over to Moab. But Jehoshaphat said, isn't there a prophet of the Lord here? Let's inquire of Yahweh through him. Let's inquire of the Lord through him. So they're kind of like looking back and they're thinking, oh, wait, 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 we have, a, we have a prophet here with us, don't we? Isn't there somebody that, that speaks to the Lord on our behalf that's with us? And this was Elisha, which the transition from Elijah to Elisha had just happened, and it was kind of like this guy's just cutting his teeth. So, it's the reason why they haven't really thought of him up until this point. Right? So, Elisha's about to be called on here. And, verse, continue verse 11. One of the servants of the king of Israel said, Elisha, the son of uh, Shapat." I almost said Snapchat. Um, <laughs> it's dyslexia right there. That's all I want to see. All right. Who used to pour water on Elijah's hands is here. So, here's, here's Elisha. The guy that actually used to walk with Elijah used to pour water on his hands, you know, really building up his, his, uh, his character, really building up his resume, right? The one that used to pour water on Elijah's hands, he's here. Jehoshaphat affirmed, the Lord, the Lord's words are with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went to him. However, Elisha said to King Joab, Joram of Israel, we have nothing in common Go to the prophets of your father and your mother. But the king of Israel replied, No, because of the Lord who has summoned these three kings to hand them over to Moab. And so Elisha responded, As the Lord of hosts lives, I stand before before him. If I did not have respect for King Jehoshaphat of Judah, I would not look at you, nor would I take notice to you. So now bring me a musician. So out of this, out of this whole thing, he's like, he's putting up this fight. He's like, I don't listen, I don't, you know, I don't like you. If it wasn't if you weren't boys with this guy, then I wouldn't be there. Now bring me a musician. Like, what? And so, so just like Elisha did there, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a bring me a musician. Where's my musician at? Where, Danelle, Where are you? Is she in here? Come, come on! I need, I need. You don't want me doing this. So I need, I need a musician. And so this is what was happening. So Elisha was, uh, again, was, was, was kind of, you know, if I'm him, I'm probably a little bothered. Why you didn't even think of me earlier? It's been seven days without water, and you're just now calling on me, like, hey, like. I was Elijah's project. He, he, he handed the reins over to me. So let, let me be a part of this. But, uh, but he calls for a musician. And so when he is calling for the musician, this is a very common thing back in the time. Uh, uh, there would be, you know, like you, you see in the Civil War, the bugler, they would be with the cavalry. Not yet, not yet. I did not call on the musician yet. Sorry. So they would have the, the harpists. What's going on? He'd have the harpists come out. And so that's really what he was calling for. There was a—it's not really a harp as you would imagine. There's not this big old harp, but a little, a small thing. And uh, and so he would call out for this music, musician to come out and play this harp. And so what would happen is that's how a lot of the prophesying used to happen was with music because it helps. It helps just usher and bring in um, the feeling of the presence of the Lord. Now, when we're sitting here today, the presence of the Lord is here. But when we sing, when we sing praise and worship, when we sing to Him, we 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 feel it it helps usher in that feeling. And it's not just manufactured feeling. It's, it's something that it's, it's scriptural. And so that's why we sing some of our praise and worship the way that we do. And, and I think that it's, it's important. And at a time like this, it's, it, was a, it was a thing that was very normal. And so as he is, is encouraging and he's, he's sharing these words of the Lord, just like I can when I say, hey, God is with you. Um, he, he loves you. Don't ever give up. Now you're probably thinking, okay, that okay. But when you add a little bit of you know backtrack to that, go ahead. <laughs> Bring me my musician. God is with you. He loves you. Don't ever give up. See, it adds to it a little bit, right? It helps fill it a little bit more. And so Elisha, as he's doing this, he he calls for the musician. You keep. And he says this. This is what the Lord says. Dig ditch after ditch in this wadi, which is a valley. For the Lord says, you will not see wind or rain, but the wadi," wadi, the water, I mean, I'm sorry, the valley will be filled with water. And you will drink, and you and your cattles and animals, it's as easy as the Lord's sight, and he will hand Moab over to you. Then you must attack every fortified city and every choice city, and you must cut down every good tree and stop up every spring of water, and you must ruin every piece of land with stones. Verse 20, about the time for the grain offering the next morning, water suddenly came from the direction of Eden and filled the land so here's Elisha he comes in and everybody there knowing that he is a prophet they have faith in understanding you know what I am confident in the fact that Elisha is a prophet of the Lord so I, I, we need him right now to, to give us a word from the Lord so that he brings on the harp and he says this is what the Lord says so they're going all in they're saying all right, we need Elisha we need to hear the word of the Lord but they're also doing it out of desperation, right? Because they're going seven days without any water. So they say, all right, out of desperation, we need Elisha to give us a word from the Lord. Because in faith, there's a little bit of confidence. sometimes there's a lot of bit of confidence based on our experiences, but there's also a little bit of desperation. Sometimes there's a lot of desperation. And so they call for Elisha, and Elisha speaks this word. And, and they're, they're confident in, in the word. And, and they also think, what do we got to lose? So we're going to go all in. If this is what the Lord wants, this is what he wants. But hey, listen, it's, it's hot. It's July in the middle of South Florida hot, digging some ditches. But if this is what we're supposed to do, then this is what we'll do. I've got no other choice. I'm telling you right now, if you're going without a couple of days of water and you're in the hot sun, the last thing you want to do is dig a ditch but God I'm open for anything show me one thing I'm all in and Elisha says hey the Lord says that we need to dig some ditches in this valley it may sound crazy it's definitely risky but I'm desperate and I'm confident so let's do it and so all these armies they come together and they start to fill this whole valley filled with ditches and they get done It's nighttime, they go to bed. And at at first you think, man, we did did what we were supposed to do. Where's the water? And I think in our lives we do the same thing. We think, oh man, I I thought I did what I was supposed to do. Where's the water? I've I've, I've been working hard, I've, I've done all these things. Where is it? Again, it's not our timing, it's God's timing. Because it says the next morning. The next morning. How many of you are, are waiting for your next morning? You think, man, I've been pushing through this for a long time. I've got faith. I'm confident. I'm out of desperation at times. But I believe. I believe that it's in God's timing. That when we're all in, that we'll be able to see something miraculous happen we'll begin to see the supernatural see Elisha said here if you want to see the supernatural happen let God do the super you do the natural the natural thing is to dig these ditches it's the only thing you can do right now and so they started digging and they dug and they dug and they dug and they dug and the next morning when they were about to do their grain offering water started flowing through the valley and here's what's important about those ditches. Yeah, water flew, so they, you know, they could have dug the ditches or not, right? And water would have been there the next morning. But if they didn't dig, if they didn't respond out of belief to their faith, if they didn't actually start to do the natural and dig these ditches, if you know how water works, especially in a place that potentially is probably a flash flood area, water would come through, and before you even know, it would be gone, but because they dug the ditches, because they responded out of faith, the water collected and they were, able to, they were able to use it. The animals could drink, they could drink, they could fill up whatever they were carrying and they were filled. They probably took a couple baths, you know what I'm saying? But they were able to save that water from just passing by because they responded by faith. The water was coming regardless, but they dug the ditches and they preserved it. They did the natural, they got the Backbreak break work in. And I'm telling you right now that God's leading you through something right now. Maybe you're going through a valley. You feel like it's been dry for a long time. I don't know what's going on out of desperation, out of fear, out of just maybe even confidence. You're saying, you know what, God, I'm, I'm ready to take this risk and I'm ready to go all in. I'm pushing all my chips in. I want to surrender. Maybe you need to be at that place today. But I'm telling you, you, you participate in something that God is calling you to, expect some great things. And and here's an important quote I have. I don't know if it's on the screen or not, but it says this. It said, only God can make it rain, but he expects us to dig the ditches. Only God can make it rain, but he expects us to dig some ditches. I want to challenge you with that thought today. That faith happens and faith when we place our trust and our faith in Jesus, that that really is the foundation of our faith. But there's there's more to it than that because we can. That's it's as simple as it is. Yes, but responding by faith or in our faith to participate in things that makes the difference, and that could mean a whole lot of different things. That could mean a whole lot of different things. It could it could mean serving here at the church. Yes, but I, I'm I'm saying like what would that do if you took this expectation into the different battles that you face every single day. Maybe in your workforce, to say, you know what? I'm ready for God to do something special with, with, my, with my job. That's a battle. That's, that's, that's you trying to lead this army. Maybe it's your own personal family army. And you've got several battles that you face every single day. And you, you think, man, I, I wish, I have no control over my kids right now. I wish I did. Sometimes that's not your battle. But it's just responding by faith to say, you know what, God, I'm open for anything. Here's my chip. Show me anything. I surrender it all to you. Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel for more messages like this one.